Welcome, it's another episode of That's What She Said. Georgie Parker here, Ashley, no knees, Nelson, and no guns, Nelson, and man hands, Melissa. We're here to guide you through the week of sports. How are we both, ladies? Especially you, Mel. How are you today, man hands? <laughs> man hands. Yes, I uh, got that lovely compliment the other day, walking the dog. <laughs> you really, You're really so, strong. When, <laughs> man hands. When you say man hands, what, what, are, what do we mean by that? I've never noticed your hands to be manly i mean nelson well, over there has carny hands carny hands small well, and nimble. you're small and nimble chipper ladders may i say no my um i was holding my dog at the uh the lights crossing the road and the lady next to me said oh you've got um quite strong forearms and <laughs> what looks like man hands and i'm like oh a random said to you that but yeah, yeah, because, like, look at my forearm. I've got very minimal fat on my forearms. Like, they're very strong. <laughs> Pity that that's not where we get a skin fold test. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's what I've said all my life. Can you imagine if this was my skin fold? Anyway. I'd love skin fold testing. That's the only place there on, <laughs> on my front of my hand is where I'd want skin fold testing. Exactly. Mel, I have to say that you just need to embrace your hands and also your arms because inevitably they're good for something. Like, my hands, they're so small. They are the perfect size for getting down the side of, you know where you always drop your, your car keys down the yep. side, like near where your glove box is in the seat? Always you move a triangle for me. It is. So, but these hands, whoop, straight down there, pick them up. like <laughs> What about goodness. the important Pringle can? Yep. Yes, straight in. Straight in. <laughs> straight in. I was glad about Man hands, you wouldn't be getting in there, man hands. No, I don't. I have to get Holly to get my Pringles out for me. I just <laughs> whack them straight into my mouth. No, I was thinking you, you're, you'd be the one I'd call for the elevator one. You know when you drop your hands, uh, you drop your keys in the elevator just between the shaft and the, and the opening of the door? Never done that. Oh, oh right. yeah, that's scary. When you can <laughs> see them as well, they're just hanging there and they're about to drop down. No, well, Georgie Parker, I was going to say welcome to you, Michelle, because, of <laughs> course, that is a nickname that I've given to you. And just to educate our listeners, I call you Michelle because no one wants to be Michelle when you think about <laughs> Destiny's Child. So I always called myself Beyonce and then, oh, of course, Kelly Rowland's pretty cool, but you are the Michelle and there's always a Michelle of the group and it just seems as though today you are the Michelle of this group. I genuinely had her bullying me my entire career. Michelle, that's what they called me, Michelle. And I used to say anything and they used Third to go, Miller. they used to look at me and go, shut up, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> so look, there we are. But it's been a big couple of days in the sporting world, I guess. In the last 24 hours, we've had an entire league, I guess, relocate out of Victoria. The, a the AFL have left Victoria. We've got the A-League following. I was speaking to our gal, Joe Weston, and, and they're, her hearing whispers that they're going to be heading up to Darwin as well. So it's going to be literally free of athletes in <laughs> Melbourne. You know, we're kind of joking. There's going to be no one that's going to be pretending that oh, I'm an AFL player to get a girl, <laughs> girl home with them. There's going to be players like local level footballers are going to be like, well, I'm the best AFL player in town. <laughs> we're going to have a new set of jocks coming through. But it's going to be an interesting little environment there in Melbourne as, I guess, COVID starting to have that second wave, which we hope, of course, is uh, under control as soon as possible. So a bit more normality for you. But it's a strange feeling there for you as an athlete, I guess, with everybody kind of leaving. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, it's like, but I'm, I'm a, a footballer, soccer side. So it's actually quite funny to see all the Collingwood supporters, all the Richmond supporters, all my mates, like absolutely livid that <laughs> Queensland could actually be the home of the AFL. And well, it is at the moment. <laughs> they are ropeable. They are, like, how does Queensland get it? Why? <laughs> I had to laugh the other day. I was listening to Anastasia Palaszczuk, so the Premier of Queensland, and then also even Mark McGowan, Premier of WA. Both of them are already making the early call of having the grand final, the AFL grand final in their state. <laughs> So they make, they're playing hardball at the moment. But, you know, the way that Victoria is at the moment, you have to consider it. I mean, the, the grand final isn't too far away and you think that they're going to have to do some forward planning. Mm -hmm. I can't see them playing in front of a crowd in Victoria. They're going yeah. to have to do something. So it will be interesting to see whether or not this will be the first year that we see an AFL grand final played outside of Melbourne. To 
To be fair, I'm just glad Gosh's paddock has freed up now because victory, <laughs> storm, all the rugby's gone. So I'm like, now I can just coach <laughs> just randoms <laughs> on Gosh's paddock, the best field in Victoria. Well, it's a busy little spot down there in Richmond. So I'm sure a few cafes we're missing a bit of their clientele Richmond, as, yeah. as well. Where do you think, Bubs? I mean, not Bubs, I mean, Ashley, no guns, Nelson. Um, where you're, I mean, you're a WA girl, I'm an Adelaide girl, but probably both would love to see the um, grand final in our own home states. Where do you see it? Do you think it should be here or in Adelaide or how do you think they're going to choose that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of it's going to, going to come down to crowd capacity and who can get the most amount of people through the gates in order to build that revenue. So um, it'll be interesting to sort of see. I'm not too ha- I'm sure how many people can be held at uh, the Gabba, for example, compared well, the, to the, Perth the, Stadium. So Perth 60, Adelaide Oval is the next biggest with about 54, just under 54. So it's only 6,000 difference there, so which is marginal really in the scheme of things. I, I think what has Perth with an advantage is that they can do a daytime, daytime final in a nighttime twilight spot for TV to give that a go. So it's kind of best of both worlds for the athlete because day games are much better for an athlete to the nighttime, which is what the AFL have been wanting to trial for a really long time. So I think that's where the Optus Stadium has a bit of a pull in that aspect. Which yeah, and, how I, I, and I think that it's not, you know, it's not like Sydney where AFL doesn't have a huge backing. You'll be able to have a, a sellout crowd um, from, I think, July 19. We're going to be able to have a maximum capacity crowd of 60,000 people at Optus Stadium anyway. So hopefully that might be something that we can kind of build towards. But in saying that, you know, there's a whole lot of contractual things that are going on or that, you know, go along with the AFL Grand Final being based at the MCG mm-hmm. in Melbourne. So um, I just don't know how it's going to, to fall you know, as all the cards are going to fall necessarily, whether or not Perth will be lucky enough to get it. But wow, wouldn't that be a thing? And you must be happy because uh, Collingwood Geelong are coming to, to Perth, Parker. Are you going to go on Thursday night? Absolutely, I'm going to be going. I'm going to go to a bottomless brunch that day. I'm, I'm meant to be doing dry July, but this calls for a celebration. It's like Christmas for me. Uh, it's it's so exciting. It's going to be 30,000 at that game. And then a couple of days later, you've got 60,000 for the Derby as well. So look, I'm so excited that they're going to be here. And um, just so we're going to have live sport at, at, at games again. I'm, I mean, on the weekend, you had 10,000 at... Um, games up at Metricon and and just and it sorry the Gabba you you it's such a difference having real life crowds real life reactions um, and the sounds of the game and I'm sure it helps the athletes themselves. I was speaking to one of the Frio guys and he was saying, oh it sucks with no crowds. It's just like a training match. Um, it's just like a local level footy that means as much as a real match. So it's really hard mentally I guess for them to get up and you shouldn't you shouldn't need the crowd to get up, but it's a huge factor as well I think for them. I think the best part about having a grand final in Perth is that there's a lot of time for like a side bottom to get really wasted after a game (laughs) (laughs) and like just go rampant in the, in the Perth time zone. And then like he could live extra long. um, (laughs) Controversial, (laughs) controversial. (laughs) I think you'd be worried about the Eagles. It's the Eagles players we're still worried about. Yeah, exactly. That's right. (laughs) Probably a fair call there. (laughs) but we can move on and and this is something i guess before we get into our we've got a couple of new segments listeners so you just stick on in but before we get into that and this is something that kind of slid under the radar a couple of weeks ago because we had some big big name guests in so we're too busy um talking to the the gillies and the archie thompson of the like so but netball they've changed a rule They've got essentially their equivalent of the three-point rule. They've got the two-point rule that's come in, so you can shoot from anywhere on the field, on the court, I should say. But they didn't actually negotiate this with the players. It's just come in. They've just been told. None of the delegates got told that this was even on the agenda. That's huge. I mean, soccer's not one for ever-changing rules, and that's why it's such a world game because they're not trying to tinker with it. Field hockey, we're used to rules changing quite a lot, um, but you might know that it's coming. But that, for me, I don't know how well that sits with me. I don't know whether... I think it's probably a good rule because it means that they are not never going to have periods of games where uh, the other team can't come back Um but it just doesn't sit well with me that it was just no negotiation at all. It was just a, this is happening. 
I feel like it was one of those ones at the dinner table, like they've had this, um, you know, random dinner party with the, the rule sayers and gone, <laughs> you know what, it'd be great. Uh, you know, <laughs> sign it, sign it. Like <laughs> two pointers outside. Yeah, let's go for it. And uh, we won't negotiate with anyone and see what anyone thinks. No, ran- like random, of all things, anywhere on the court without a backboard is like... Yep. Uh, you know, Bubs is turning into a robot again. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Zoom knows when when Bubs is talking shit. It's like, it's talking. It's like <laughs> cut her off. Cut her. Um, but cut Georgie, I, I have to agree with you though. I don't think I necessarily mind the change in rule. I definitely have seen across my career, as far as hockey is concerned, that rule changes can be beneficial. I mean, when I first started, we had. Um, the you weren't able to play on with the ball and when that got introduced it completely revolutionized the, the game and made it so much more enjoyable to play and also watch so i do think that there's space and time for introducing new rules like this but the way that they went about it probably wasn't um, going to harbor good relationships between the players and then also um, the powers to be that were sitting around that dinner table that you're talking about <laughs> mel making decisions so I think that that was communicated, though. I know Nat Medhurst, who's part of the Players Association, sent out a letter um, saying how that they were disappointed that they would accept that the rule had been changed, but in the future they would like to be consulted about it. And I think that that was an important letter for the Players Association to send out so that, you know, they can be heard and they are part of the the process. And it it surprised me a little bit because I think netball usually is quite good at consulting their playing group and developing the game hand in hand. So it did surprise me that that did come out, to be honest. But it will be interesting to see. I mean, netball, I think, is not too far away. August, uh, I don't think they've released the schedule yet, but it's looking about then that they're going to get back to playing. So it'll be fascinating to see how this impacts the game. My only concern with it as well is that will this change internationally? And are we playing a game with this two-point rule and practising playing with a two-point rule when when you go to international competition, that's not going to be put into place. So I do have some reservations from that perspective. I'd and like that- to see a slam dunk rule. Thrown <laughs> <laughs> or a bit of contact points. for a change. Yeah. <laughs> what well, is half contact um, nowadays? But uh, Nat Medhurst, Medhurst as well, due very soon to have a little baby. They, over at Collingwood, those girls are very fertile. There are so <laughs> many girls there that are pregnant in that netball program. And so it's exciting. And it's probably the best year for them to do it. It's probably a really random season. Um, so pop one out and then... Um, go back and play, I guess. Uh, that's what I, th- I keep thinking of Chloe Esposito giving up the Olympic oh. Games to have her baby and then getting a second dip at it because of COVID. It's, um, it's very fortunate. For her it is. And then you have yeah. the other way of others been hanging on to the yes. Olympics to have ch- yes. children after and then going, hang on. I've got to do another, year. Do it another year and then it's another two years so you're having, having a baby. So I think of it the other way as well. So it's very lucky for some and injuries, another one. If you're doing an injury now, you're very lucky because you've got another year. But um, so I guess it's the way you look at it, swings and roundabouts, right, with those kinds of things. Now, I mentioned earlier on our show that we've got some new segments and they're very um, – they're very exciting segments, everybody. So, um, you're, you've got the you've got a new one there, Bubs. What have you got cooking? Um, I'm going to call it the Spud Awards. The Spud Award. I'm a potato. <laughs> oh, there you go. What a great sting. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that second part. I know yeah. you. I wanted the whole thing. All right, I'll put go. Our ahead. listeners, put our listeners to sleep. <laughs> okay. I'm a potato. I'm not a carrot, an olive, some broccoli, or a tomato. So, <laughs> just a potato and all the parents online and watching on YouTube will definitely know this song very well because anybody who watches ABC Kids knows that song very well. A family of potatoes. But we're going with the good and the bad 
of the potato. We know it's a very versatile vegetable. We know it's the best. Be anything. Up there with the best. I mean, you know, you, you're either a, a gnocchi person like me <laughs> or a boiled <laughs> potato for the very worst of the clearly, week. Clearly that's the worst potato. I mean. It's the worst <laughs> potato. And I don't know if Unless you Unless you're making gnocchi. Unless you're chucking like, it in. With yeah, but then that's not, the, that's not the final product. And it's actually very funny. When Do you remember this, Nell? So yes, we're on, I the do. Way, <laughs> on the way to Commonwealth Games, right? And there were kind of, there were this uh, couple of guys on the plane as well that were kind of working for Channel 10 and doing like a, you know, Roy and HG kind of style guys, right? And they were interviewing some of us on the plane. It was quite exciting. And they had this, one of our girls, M Smith, was on the plane. And I don't know why. I don't even know the she's, question. She's from Crookwell, which is actually home of the potato. So that's, <laughs> that's how it came up. That's how it came up. Um, and she was asked... <laughs> What is your favourite potato? And she's the captain of the Hockey Roos now and she's had a lot more media training than what she had at that time. And I think she just panicked, didn't she, Parker? And her response was, oh, boiled. Her favourite potato, <laughs> the queen of potatoes from the land of the potatoes, said that she loved nothing more than a good old boiled potato. And I went, you could have given any other type of potato. <laughs> And it would have been better than well. Technically, <laughs> she is right, though. It is the foundation for all no, the other no. potatoes. You can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't have no. gnocchi without a boiled potato or yeah, mashed but, potatoes. No, but you don't say what type of what pota- what potatoes you have. The product is a boiled potato. No, you don't. I will exactly. say that. That's, that's what my grandpa used to feed me, but he was around during the Depression. So that's why that we was, had that. That was a luxury, too. <laughs> exactly. So, anyway. Tell well, us about we're the going award. okay. So the potato awards. So each like this segment is all about give us your potato award. So now, if you've got the worst performer of the week, so something bad, you're the boiled potato, or <laughs> the pinnacle. The pinnacle. So a very good, a very good performer is the fries. Now could we, could we potentially we could rank could, things as well. Could we go? Well, look, they weren't fry level, but they might be potato cake. Level. Yes, potato, or cake. potato cake. We or can discuss gnocchi for me once again. Gnocchi, gnocchi's up there. Decide. You can decide. We can have a rating scale. I like this as well. <laughs> so that you can have the fries at one end and the boiled potato at the other. But boiled is by far that's unanimous. It's the worst potato, correct? Yes, oh, sure. unanimous the, the most boring. The most unless, boring. The most unless you're boring. Emily Smith. <laughs> and then that's your favourite. But she's not on the yeah. podcast, so yeah, we so can we all agree that boiled potato is the worst and then we can work our way up and have the conversation about what the best type of potato is. But I think, yeah, fries are definitely up there or at least beer battered chips. Okay, so for me, the, this week, I'm going to give you uh, one and then the other. So I'm going to give you our top mark. So the fry level this week, I'm going to give it to... Um, excuse me for talking a bit of football. Wait, 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 guys! I know we're spitballing. It's a new segment. Should we do pota- Should we do boiled first? We want to end on a high, right? Uh, okay. Do you well, want to do worst of the week? Spud, I don't know. My boiled you're, spud you're is boiled? Sam Newman. End of story. <laughs> Sam Newman this week. Spud. Probably every week, actually. But anyway. <laughs> okay. So that's my spud, all right? Wait, and then, wait. Well, and what's your spud, Nelson? Oh, uh, my, my spud is the Adelaide Football Club just because I had to work the match between the Fremantle Dockers and the Adelaide Crows and it is a couple of hours of my life that I am never going to get back. Possibly the most horrific match to have watched. And while the Fremantle Dockers didn't play particularly well, there's a glimmer of hope there. There were some young guns in there that stepped up. They got their first win of the season. That's exciting. Adelaide Crows, not much to show, still on zero points. And I just feel very sorry for their supporters like Hugh Parker, who kind of supports them now, but also supports Collingwood. <laughs> but oh, I've got a Suns hat floating around as well. It was depressing. So they're going to get my spuds of, uh, or boiled potato of the week. And... Mine, look, I love you, Ash. I do. I've known you a really long time. Yes. I'd consider you one of my closest friends. 
Sam, but can you wait for the knife? Where <laughs> do you get off thinking that strawberry milk is better than chocolate? And I tell you what, listeners, this is what Ashley, no Hold taste up. buds, Nelson has tweeted. I challenge you <laughs> to name a better flavoured milk and she's popped on a picture of strawberry milk and look, chocolate <sighs> says hi. No, look, it's no, not all right. It's not okay. You. <laughs> I went to the shops today and for those that are actually listening to this, I currently in my little hot little hand, my little carny hands, I'm holding an oak strawberry chocolate, oh, I'm um, sorry, milk drink. And um, I just thought, you know what, there's nothing more refreshing than a strawberry um, milkshake. And, you know, I love a McDonald's strawberry thick shake as well, particularly when you're hungover. It is just so refreshing. Anyway, I put it out there for the world to discuss. Um, So I just left it on my Twitter. And I have never had so many photos of different flavoured milk pop up on my Twitter account. Clearly people are bored and sick of talking about the coronavirus and all they want to do is discuss what their favourite milk is. Well, you're Um, wrong. You're and anyone that, that li- anyone that likes chocolate just doesn't want to go on an adventure. See, of see I took it. I took it opposite because I was thinking I love strawberry milk, but I went. You were bag like you were saying oak is the best. Well, I was like, well, oh. big M. No, no, no. Yes. No, no, no. no. I understand that. No, I'm not big. talking about the brand. Just the flavour. No, no, no. no. Strawberry the, the is not. Okay. Strawberry is not the TV flavor. one here, Georgie. <laughs> We can move on because you're both then you're both boiled potatoes. Next, it's wrong, and I can tell you right now. I just said chocolate says hi. I've had 21 likes, huge hits. You've had eight on yours. But it, it speaks for itself. Thank you. Move on. Who's the fry of the week? Sounds like a Michelle comment. It's definitely not Ash Nelson. Well. <laughs> oh. Well, for mine, uh, it's a couple of young guns in the EPL. So I was thinking, um, you know, a lot of times when the champions have been crowned and all that sort of hoo-ha has happened, a lot of young guns start making a lot more field time. And a couple of them have actually come to the freight. One of my personal favourites, to be fair, Man United player. Look, it's been a while since I could actually boast about being a Man United supporter. But... This young kid, Mason Greenwood, um, scored two against Burnmouth. And he's going to be a, an absolute gun of a player. He's only 18 years old. And then on the other side of the coin, for the Liverpool fans, because I can't miss out on the Liverpool fans, because I know all of you are hating on me being a Man United fan. So I'm going to throw in this scouser of Liverpool. He is Liverpool born and bred. Um, Curtis Jones uh, absolute had a cracker on the weekend. So he's 19 years old and he signed a long-term deal with his boyhood club on Sunday and then on Monday scored his first Premier League goal. So fries to you, young Jones. And fries to you. Fries to you. Well done. Tell me what you got, fries, for fries. Are we Macca's fries? What are we? Oh, or wedges. Do you prefer? No, you like the thick cut chip, don't you? Yeah, I like no a good hands. thick cut chip, chicken no treat hands. chip, or bread uh, rooster chip, KFC yeah, chip. Not too bad. You got to well. try a schnitz chip, just quietly. <laughs> not under a schnitzel. Anyway, <laughs> um, now for me, um, US golfer Bryson DeChambeau, who's won the Detroit PGA tournament, he is the person that's going to be the fries for me because. While he was in isolation and lockdown, he took it upon himself to stack on 18 kilos, 18 easy. kilos easy. playing golf um, <laughs> to improve his game. So now he can smack the living daylights out of the, the, the ball, has got the longest drive in the game at the moment, but it's paying dividends. He went, managed to win the PGA uh, tournament and I was taking a look at his diet and I reckon that he has got a fascinating diet. So for breakfast... Four eggs, five pieces of bacon, toast, two protein shakes. For lunch, she gets a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a protein bar, two shakes. Um, and then also he gets a snack after practice because you know how much energy golf saps from you. And then for dinner, he has steak, potatoes, only the greatest vegetable of all, and two shakes as well. So he literally has six protein shakes a day in order well, they, to... They could have been milkshakes. 
a top golfer, maybe strawberry flavor, but <laughs> that he um, is my idol. And I wish I could have eaten that much in my, my playing days. Is still you, like, for- I, <laughs> you forgot about I, dessert being a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Georgie, imagine being like, um, imagine being told to put 18 on- kilos. Imagine <laughs> being told to put on that. We would have been champions. Jake put That's on like 18 kilos. Wrestling. Well, Jake put on 18 kilos while we were in Belgium. That was a lot of weight. That I put was on from beer. Of, that's a lot that of bratwurst. It is. Uh, what a fry. I love that. Yes. I love that from him. That's cool. Yes. What's his name again? Bryson DeChambeau. I might follow him for some, yeah, let's, for some he diet hacks. Is, <laughs> he's, he's a big, big, you know, I mean, he's a big guy anyway and he doesn't look overweight. I think, you know, naturally he's probably yeah. able to sort of carry it. But um, to see him drive the ball, it is huge. I was wondering, like, if if he's hitting the ball that hard, would like a rock, you know, the rock, uh, the the star, not the, the actor o- object, but the actor, the rock, the proper noun, not the, the noun. proper, you know, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Do you reckon, like, because he eats that much in a day as well, could he smack a golf ball that hard, or is it is it mostly technique? A bit of both. Have to be a combination, wouldn't it's it? A bit of both. This is a, this is a cute little um. A, a question that somebody who uses their body, not an not an object to hit items. Yeah, me, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I fly my own body around. Through the yeah. <laughs> it's a bit. It's, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Um, and I think I'm, 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 maybe that's why weight, that, weight like poor. weight transfer. But I think that's why I don't hit the ball very hard. I'm just in golf. I'm just too skinny. So <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm just way too with you. I'm just way too skinny. Um, look now, my fry of the week got Cade Simpson. He is a, a veteran of the Carlton Football Club. He's been there a long, a long time. He probably he's probably in his last season. He's played 330 games. 208 of them he's lost. That's 208. He's just gone up to equal the most amount of losses ever in the AFL. He's lost 63% of his games he's lost. So he's just taken that title of the most losses ever by an AFL player. I just wanted to say huge congratulations to you, Cade. Well done, you fry. So you're giving him the one win in his life that he so desperately needs. That's really (laughs) nice of you, Parker. Thank you. Imagine being known as that person. You are the biggest loser. loser. Of the that's AFL. AFL. That's a fascinating Imagine stat. 330 games, 208 you've lost. That's, that's a lot. I feel like I don't want anyone to read out how many games I've lost, though. <laughs> to be fair, like, are we actually counting score like that? Because I'm kind of glad we haven't for me then. Because yeah, especially as a goalkeeper. Yeah, you'd yeah. be responsible it's your fault for those losses. <laughs> yeah. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. I remember my my second game for Victoria against New South Wales. Yeah, ten nil. That was fun. That was fun. Yes. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Let's bring those up, shall we? But <laughs> well, well, well fry. Woo! Well done to all our fries and all our spuds. Well done. Look, that's a good segment. Work in progress. We'll see how we can get that going. Um, while we are on AFL, we'll just quickly touch on this before we get into halftime with Nelson. And that, of course, is the Adelaide Football Club camp. And this has been hot news for, I guess, two years, essentially, since they had that big loss in the grand final in 2017. And since then, they've been a shell of a team, a shell of a club. They've lost multiple players um, who have all seeked those trades as well. It's not been a salary cap issue. It's not been anything other than these players wanting to get out of this club. And Sam McClure... He has now, he's done, a, it's a pretty good investigative investigative journalism work. He's gone through this club, um, found some information about this camp and what was actually going on. I've, as, a, as an Adelaide Crows former fan, I have been waiting for players to retire to be able to hear what's coming out of this camp. And it's quite drastic, some of the things that have been saying. And we kind of spoke off air about how some of these kind of military style camps, although I personally hate camps like this and think they're a waste of time and I'd rather be spent 
spending that time training, I can see that there is benefits of that sort of team cohesion and getting the most out of yourselves and player bonding. But if you're looking at some of these lists of what some of these players are doing, it seems really excessive and it doesn't seem like it's well thought out um, or beneficial to anybody. Things like uh, tying players to trees and to having them crawl for knives, crawl for a knife to cut them loose as teammates were made to hurl personal abuse at them. That, for me, doesn't sit well. That's not something that's going to make you look in yourself and try to be better. It's going to think, well, they're always thinking these things about me. And um, there's certain things yeah. that I really didn't sit well with me at all from these camps. And that it's one, a pretty good piece of um, journalism by Sam. I think it was great. I think it was well-written and a tough way to get around some of the issues because there's no easy way of blurting that out to make it sound any less horrific than it sounds. And I think when you think about it, that particular last bit of information you just spoke about, um, Parker, is when they're hurling abuse that nobody knows about. So they've gotten information from um, confidential sources Mm -hmm to throw abuse at these players and whilst you're, you know, trying to do this task while it seems unfair and, you know, ridiculous or um, a test of physical nature, to have something thrown at you that you think is a secret that not even your partner knows and you're like, what the hell? It would absolutely, it could actually produce like a PTSD sort of um, anxiety that could break you down not only mentally but physically as well and to have that happen in that sort of environment like who have who has told you this and you're starting to question everything that you build as a team because somebody has spilt the beans about you and something that you've done in your life that you're probably not very proud of and they've just blurted it out like that and you're like, who has, who has cut me deep here? And you, and you just start to wonder what the hell has happened. Uh, even goes deeper than that, isn't it, as to how far do teams go to try and improve and um, how do you get the, the right balance? You know, it's a fine line between pushing people and pushing athletes but also turning into what essentially is workplace for those Adelaide players that's their workplace and when they're getting personal abuse thrown at them that would not be appropriate that would not be okay if it was an office job and I think that's where you've got to draw that line of distinction but it is hard I think with sport because I think there are times that different teams and also individual sports and coaches get away with a little bit more than what they might naturally in a workplace environment and sometimes that does need to happen in order to get the desired outcome to a certain extent but when personal information is used to the detriment of the person um, I don't think that that's appropriate and more than that as well it did seem like they were deprived of appropriate medical care mm-hmm. which is concerning for me and then the final statement as well was Bryce Gibbs saying that um, he had been on a lot worse camps including ones from Carlton. And I went, well, you know, what else is going on at these football camps that can almost be described as a hazing of sorts in mm. order to you know, either introduce those players into stuff. But as you said, Parker, obviously it didn't pay dividends because they have been a shell of a team and now there is something culturally wrong going on at Adelaide Crows where they are not getting the desired performance and they don't look, as I said earlier in the podcast, they don't look anywhere near it. They have had a number of players leave the side that should be good players and be in that side still and they've just decided to up and go somewhere else and I think that that kind of indicates that they're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. When you don't, when players don't want to stay there, that's when there's a huge trouble with the culture. You should be wanting to make those hard calls and having to send players away as opposed to those ones seeking those trades. And that's what's been really bad. I mean, we moved we moved the earth, the world, to get Eddie Betts to come to Adelaide. He wanted to finish his career in South Australia. His family is in Port Lincoln. He's a South Australian. 
and now he's gone back to his old club. That for me, why, what is going on there? You need to be making sure that you're actually looking at yourself as a club rather than hiding it. And, you know, and some people have been saying, oh, well, um, this is old news. Why are we, you know, beating a dead horse? Well, it isn't because they're still having problems and it's coming back to this camp. And, yeah, they've had a change in staff, but not so much on the board where they're still trying to protect each other in this boys' club, which is often the case with these, with these football teams. And how, we, how they go about this, next, this year, which is a really tough year, and Crows have been through some really, really tough times, and they've come out through them well. You think, of course, Phil Walsh about four years ago, or 2015 it was, um, Phil Walsh uh, passed away, um, you know, were murdered by his son. That is something massive that they've gone through. So it's not like they've gone through any other adversity before. They've, they've done it and they can do it, but they've clearly something's gone wrong there and um, it, it needs to be addressed. And this is going to be addressing it as opposed to skimming over, which is what I think they've done the last couple of years. I also think back to sort of our time uh, in a elite environment. I remember sitting down and doing what was called the hot seat, where essentially you would sit in front of your, your peers. No, it's awful. Tell you what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. And it would be on a personal basis as well, not just your performance on the field, but what are you doing off the field that is impacting on yourself being the best player that you can be? And also how you're impacting and to the detriment of the the team and that wasn't easy to sit through that actually did get quite personal but the difference was is that we were all informed of that decision as to what was going to take place it was done with a psychologist um, that had the credentials to do so and this is where they haven't got that they didn't have that and I think that you know we handled that quite well in a very difficult circumstance and setting and it had to be done. It was all about improving communication. But they didn't have it. I, I just it was concerning that it was run by somebody that wasn't really qualified to do so and uh, maybe they're seeing the repercussions of that now. You think they just watched um, the movie like I'm not joking about it because it's very it's terrible. But it sounds like they've watched a movie and just implemented everything from like a SEALs training program that you would see on like GI Jane. It was very, it, it, what I, from what I've read, when people turn up with fake guns and camouflage and the, the and I, I can honestly only say the only good thing that I have heard that has come out of this story is the fact that it was only the leadership group or the, the older players that were subjected to it that, you know, the younger and the middle-aged players, because they're all separated into age groups, that the, the second tier and the third tier got very minimal of what the first tier did. Like, it's, it's unbearable to think what they went through um, in that first tier, but that's the only good thing you can think of that they actually thought about for a, for a millisecond of how it might affect them. Um, so why put the first lot through it in the first place? I just, I just don't understand. And how many of them now are still at the club? Not many. And not that, many. Not many, if any. It's, um, it's a song, not many. If any, anyway, um, lighten up the mood. That's yeah. definitely. Well, look, we can it's, lighten it's a up sad the mood. Case to be it, it is, and it's um. The, the thing as well with this is that some of this might be dramatised by the guys and some might be being told in unders as well. Um, we won't really ever know because we weren't there. Um, but I don't see it. I hate when people are going, oh, camps like this are a dime a dozen. Would well, you know what? They shouldn't be dime a dozen. I don't think it's soft to say that things like that and having psychological abuse shouldn't be acceptable just because you're an athlete. I don't <sighs> care. There's ways that you can get the most out of yourselves um and that's through a psychologist as well and i think that there was no duty of care from the adelaide football club and i've been an adelaide supporter since i was a little girl and there was no support there even the fact that tom lynch goes down vomiting everywhere and there's not even a doctor there like yeah. you need to have a duty of care for these these boys young boys we've got to remember that you're not old as an athlete the, the yeah you're true between, you're between 18 and 30 that's not yeah. old in the scheme of things. Um, and as well, they're, they're very sheltered. Athletes are very sheltered in some aspects of their life as well. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's been done very well and it's what quite about embarrassing. What the women in this too? Like they were pregnant 
wives and partners. Yeah, you got a couple this. of minutes a day. You got a couple of minutes a day to talk to your partner. You don't know where he is. He yeah. doesn't know where he is. How bloody scary would that have been on those partners? Like it's absolutely shocking. It goes deeper than what they're actually yeah. talking about as well. Yeah, and I don't think they handled the the losing of the grand final well at all. But look, we could speak about that for a long time. But let's. Ash, let's go to halftime with Nelson, and I think it's got a camp theme. Guts we grew, out of blood and guts we grew. We're a rough and ready crew. Yeah. So, can you even name that movie? <laughs> well, they're on everything. I was going to get a major, Stripes. major pain theme. Oh, major pain would have been hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that's a good film. Look, um, it's halftime with Nelson. So, go on. Well, listen, it was a very, well, it is a very serious subject, but at the same time, it got me thinking about camps. And to be honest, as much as people paint camps to be great things, I don't know if I've ever really been on a great camp. And I wanted to hear from you guys today as to what's been your worst and maybe even your best camp experience. Because I think back to my year four camp is where the camps all started. And I went to a little place country town called Wagen and we took our year four camp half an hour up the road to this scrubland in Narrigan and all I remember of it is that it was cold, wet and I came home with a number of ticks, found one <laughs> in my ear about a week later and that's probably been the only camp that I've really, um, you know, in memory can sort of remember going on and it wasn't a great one i tell a lie actually i went on a hockey ruse one that was meant to be a tour through europe but then we chose to go during like snow season so we didn't play any games and just got to eat crepes all day so that's probably the only good <laughs> good old frank <laughs> he did that deliberately um, um my a camp that stuck with me and i didn't really have too many bad sporting camps i mean i think we were pretty good tried to use the time effectively um i remember going on one that for footy and they woke us up at 3 a.m and they were like oh i bet you had this all the time with hockey and i said no we slept through the night so we could train well the next day i <laughs> <laughs> need to come going, up with these stupid things don't like, I? why would i want to wake up at 3 a.m if i've got training twice tomorrow like it doesn't make sense anyway so we used our time quite effectively i think um at the hockey ruse but one that stuck with me, and it was kayak camp near nine. That was the worst thing I've ever done. The kayaking camp. I um, we're on the Murray. We had mozzies like that's that big, thirty centimeter mozzies. They it was <laughs> <laughs> they hit you in the face. They okay. were massive. I was welted everywhere. I remember that they had to um, we had to like flip our kayak at one point. Um, to just oh that's scary it was scary but also guess who didn't waterproof her gear correctly this girl so all of my food was wet all my clothes were wet and that was on the first day my trangia that was a thing you used to cooking on the meat somebody before me like because it's a school's property they must have put metho in it or something to clean I don't know what they did with it but I put in my two-minute noodles and then it just tasted like metho I didn't even want to eat it was just the worst thing I've ever done and I'll never get over it. And I was still speak. I've been out of school for 13 years, 14 years, and I still go, remember Year 9 kayak camp and we still <laughs> shiver. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. That sounds horrific. I, I kind of think um, along the lines of school camp as well, but I remember one particular couple of days off that we had for the Matildas back in the days before Tommy Samani. Before Tommy Samani, life was hell. Tommy Samani had the best way of making everything nonchalant, like who cares, um, got the best out of us. But pre-Tommy Samani days, we turned up and, and much like this camp for those AFL guys, we didn't know where we were going. We thought we were going go-karting. Our souls. I hate that and when you t- go, <laughs> they're not going to do anything bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, we turned up to this desert. It, like, I'm not talking, we were at the AIS at the time. So we must have driven outside of Bruce. I don't know how far away out we were, but it looked like barren desert with mountains and stuff. And we thought, 
what is going on here? And it was an orienteering, orienteering course. Mm-hmm. And I have the worst ankles in the world. So they give this this map and you've got to go around clicking um, the orienteering map. And about four of us came back with rolled ankles because they, they hadn't told us to strap. And it was the first session of the day. We had to then train and do 12-minute runs after that and you weren't allowed to walk for this orienteering course. And then I had another camp where I was going to, um, I think it was what we call TAFE, and I'd had a procedure done where I had like stitches under my arm and for some reason they made us all hide in the dark. So it was a, a hide and seek in the middle of the night and I decided to climb a tree. And of course, I fell out of the tree. What was what was the reasoning behind that? It was just a fun game for people to play, okay. and yeah. they made us play hide and seek. And I thought I'll climb up this tree because I'm, I, you know, I'm very competitive. Ended yeah. up falling out of the tree and tearing open my stitches and having to get, um, you know, off to hospital. And then I missed out on surfing the next day, which was which sucked. But yeah. not a not a good camp. No, not a good camp. Um, Not the funniest of camps either. Well, I was meant to, guys, have another segment. It was actually going to be called Judge Georgie, guys. And I got a a sting made up, guys. Do you want to hear it? Sting me. Sting me. Go. I I got a sting made up um, and it's pretty good. You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Georgina Parker. Good. I give a shout out for that. Who did that? Yeah, that's um, that's Dino from our uh, content team. I said, Dino, look, I need this. This is really important stuff. I am Judge Georgie, and I need a sting for it because I need people to really respect me and my decision. But do you know what, uh, friends and family who are listening, Mum, uh, that's about it. Uh, <laughs> we have run out of time, so I can't even use it this week. But <laughs> next week, there is going to be a Judge Georgie uh, segment and you want to know about it because I'm here making all the hard decisions. Yes, Nelson, so your hand is up. It is. Um, I just feel as though you can be Judge Georgie for our tweet of the week. So you can still incorporate Judge Georgie. Oh, okay. All right, I'll just play it again, guys, because we have tweet, tweet and... You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Georgina Parker. It, it's pretty serious. I'm a judge. Georgia I did one year of law school when I left when I left school. So look, I'm all about it. So we go straight to tweet of the week because I seem to have t- spoken for too long. Um, I the I found this so funny, and I sent it. I wish at times like this that we didn't replace our Joe Weston with Ash Nelson because this is very much targeted towards her and it's from somebody called Melanie Bracewell and Melanie is she's from New Zealand she's just a comedian over there and she said there is a hot and unhot for tall girls in high school and it was determined by whether you're a goal shooter or a goalkeeper I was goalkeeper this tweet will make no sense to my American followers <laughs> and, and it's true. It's so true. Everyone wanted to be a goal shooter. Nobody wants to be a goalkeeper. Nobody wants to be a goalkeeper. And it was quite. Look, was I'm quite, still here. Like you, saying a goalkeeper, I, I am a goalkeeper too. So, but in netball especially, and you kind of have that. You had, and then and then some. Then she wrote underneath and said, and you just live your whole netball career being like, thank God I'm not a wing defence. <laughs> <laughs> My question, like, where on the scale does the wing attack, wing defence, and centre kind well, of? Well, I personally think that goal attack is the fry, goal shooter is the wedge. Everywhere in between, until you get to goalkeeper, <laughs> whatever your fancy of choice, and then the boiled potato is the goalkeeper. goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, like you don't even get to the good part. You don't even get to go down that end. 
you get a lot of you get a lot of airtime if you're in the circles. So I think that's yeah. why you want to be there. And this is me being Judge Georgie, of course, that um, I get to make this, and this is final. So don't bother. And you can real, and you can like you can't even slam it, or you can't even block shots or anything, can you? As uh, a no. No, you just stand there with one arm up and yeah, I, I messaged it to um, Joe and she <laughs> she said, well, what did she say? She said something quite funny. She was quite a little bit offended, of course. Um, and then she said that, well, because <laughs> she's a goal defence, of course, and she said, well, we're at least the fit one. The goalkeepers are just in one third and they're not fit. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. <right>. Misprotective. <laughs> Uh, what's your tweet of the week, Ashley? Did you have one or? Oh, not really. No, the only thing that um, just in response to my earlier tweet of how good chocolate. Uh, so I keep on saying. <laughs> You've said that multiple times. That's a Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> how good strawberry milk is. Um, Burke's best bets. Don't know Burke, but g'day to Burke best bets if you're listening. He says oak strawberry is MVP. 100%. So, no, that's a shit tweet of the week. <laughs> there you go, Judge uh, Georgie. I thought that you might appreciate that. Well, well, it's wrong and that's illegal. You're in prison. <laughs> well, you owe me. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ramp it up a bit because um, obviously I stole this tweet from Georgie Parker because she posted it in our chat group um, but I would have read it because it was on my Twitter feed when I looked at it a second later. Um, Adelaide United posting an update on their goalkeeper situation. We wish to advise goalkeeper Isaac Richards will depart the club to pursue a career in mixed martial arts, MMA. All the best Isaac. That is like the most randomest of, well, tweets. But what a swap! I, I probably I, I don't think I've ever seen a goalkeeper turn into an MMA fighter. Although I did do a good job at our MMA training um, with Melbourne City, I might add everyone gave me credit for it that I should change sports because I built a house really nicely. But um, I have no idea what that meant. <laughs> Go on, Ash. Sorry. I said it's your big forearms and your hands. That's right. My man hands. Build a house. I'm so uncomfortable with the amount of hands showing at the moment. So I hope nobody's watching this on YouTube. Uh, and on that man hand, it is, it is MMA is not the switch that you'd think from a, a soccer player or football player. You think that's more of a rugby league um, kind of job. But look, good luck to Isaac. Um, good on him. Straw- strawberry milk is. Strawberry milk is not elite. Vanilla is better than strawberry. And Judge Judy's final vanilla. word on that. And there isn't even a vanilla. <laughs> vanilla is so underrated. Anyway, we could discuss that on another time. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm going to shut off the mics of these two idiots, and <laughs> we will. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Make sure you like and subscribe. Tell your mates. Send it to your mum. Do all the things. If you're going to have a bet, do so responsibly. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Don't shut me down. <laughs>